south of the border, down Mexico way. That's where I fell in love when the stars above came out to play. And now as I wander. Hello there, all you expat wannabes. I'm Johnny Mueller, and you're listening to The Expat Files, Living in Latin America, the show that tells you just what it's like to live, work, play, and or retire down here in Latin America. It's a mix of the good, the bad, the ugly, and the great, and it's all right here, so let's get started. I get emails from people saying, Johnny, I really got to get happy. Living up here in the States is just driving me nuts. I'm depressed. I get the occasional email like that. In other words, people are asking if they come down to Latin America, will the happiness bug rub off? Since it's such a well-known thing that Latin Americans are so much happier than first world people. Lots of first world media report on that, you know. Which is counterintuitive somehow because, you know, they've got a lot less. They're always hurting for dough. They make three to four hundred bucks a month. Poverty wages anywhere in the world. Most of them take crappy and dangerous public transportation everywhere. They often don't have power or water 24-7. Most of the men are serial cheaters. With all that going on, how could they possibly be so much happier than first world people? Well, you know the story. Anyway, people want to know, will the happiness thing rub off? If they get the hell out of Dodge, get that plan B going and get down to Latin America? Or will you just be slightly less miserable than you were up in Cleveland? Well, you know, us gringos and expats are pretty well programmed to be what we are. I mean, after living 20, 30, 40, 50 years up in the States, change of any kind is difficult. That's why so many people listening to this show swear they're going to come down and get that plan B going, but they never do. Oh, and another thing. People with low self-esteem will always find a way to be miserable. So then am I insinuating that lots of people with low self-esteem end up in Latin America? (laughs) No, I'm not saying that at all, but one thing I have noticed, lots of gringos and expats who are very successful in business and in commerce up in the States, they've had their success and lived that American dream and all that, and they decide, after seeing the writing on the wall, to get the hell out of Dodge, get the plan B going. So they come down here to Latin America. They might even start a successful business down here because they're bored. But are they really happy, or at least happier than they were up in the States? Well, just because they may have been a success in business up in the States doesn't mean they hadn't been kicked in the teeth a million times when it came to mating, dating, love, and romance up there. So the irony is I meet all kinds of high self-esteem expats, high self-esteem in business and commerce, with low self-esteem when it comes to mating, dating, and hooking up. That could cause a lot of problems. I was just having this very same conversation with a newbie expat a day or two ago. He was telling me about this beautiful, unbelievably hot and sexy Latina he'd been going out with for a couple of weeks. He'd met her on a Cupid app. He's only been down here in Latin America four months himself. On top of that, his Spanish is practically zero. It sucks. I mean, the guy had only been going out with her for three weeks or maybe a month. And he was already talking about the logistics of having her move into his apartment. And I thought, man, that could be a big mistake. This guy's moving way too fast. Then again, with newbie expats, I can see how easy that can happen. It's the same old story. I've heard it dozens of times. You've had some bad romantic luck up in the States. You've been kicked around a bit in relationships. Maybe you've been divorced, taken to the cleaners up in Cleveland or Detroit, maybe more than once. Then you decide to start over, clean the slate. You get the hell out of Dodge, get that plan B going. 
you dip your toe into the mating dating pool once again, though this time here in Latin America, and you find out those Latina girls are a completely different breed altogether from American girls. Soon enough you notice, and you can hardly believe it at first. They're twice, maybe three times as warm and as loving as any American girl you've gone out with before. They have a word for it, cariñosa, in Spanish. Most guys living up in the States have never experienced that, so it really makes an impression. Of course, some Latinas aren't exactly sincere about it, but you can pick up on that real easily, since Latinas can be super jealous above and beyond what you may have been used to in relationships up in the States. The thing is, if your Latina girlfriend doesn't go into jealousy mode once in a while, that's when you may start wondering if she's playing you. Anyway, to get on with the story, concerning that expat I was talking to the other day, the one that is making plans for his girlfriend to move in after three weeks or a month, he says, sure, my girlfriend's sort of addicted to social media and her telephone, like girls up in the States, aren't they all? However, he says, unlike my ex-girlfriend up in the States, when I say something, my new Latina girlfriend drops the phone or stops what she's doing and comes running. On top of that, she comes over to my place and heads straight for the kitchen and starts cooking up stuff for me. He said things like, we'll be sitting on the couch, watching a movie late at night. She'll just start rubbing my back, giving me a back massage. He said, look, I got really white skin. I'm part Irish, practically translucent. <laughs> and man, he said, even when I get a little bruise or a bump or a cut, you can see it a mile away. And he said, you know, my new girlfriend's uh, morena, which means sort of a dark-skinned or caramel-colored Latina. He says, people who've got that colored skin, well, bumps, bruises, and scratches just don't show up. But let me tell you, he said, I just wasn't used to the fact that she'd get so alarmed if I had a little bump, scrape, or bruise. She'd give me a little lecture, tell me I have to take better care of myself, bring out the band-aids and the skin creams. She's more concerned about me and my health than anyone I've ever met in my life. He said he could tell it's a real genuine concern, too. Plus, he said, we'll be sitting in the car or the living room or at a restaurant, and she'll just spontaneously touch my arm or shoulder, grab my hand, or run her fingers through my hair. She'll even straighten out my collar or tell me how handsome I look right out of the blue, and I'm not even handsome. Honestly, he said that can be a bit embarrassing, because no girlfriend of mine's ever said that to me before. The thing is, he said, with my extremely white skin, he says, I embarrass easily. Anyway, this green newbie gringo who's just been down here in Latin America, I'd say probably three or four months now. It was obvious to me he's really smitten with this girl. You can understand why. He never got that kind of feedback before from first world ladies. He's a guy, probably a five or a six like me, who's just not quite used to that kind of treatment. Except for maybe his mom. Could be she wasn't even that attentive to him. Anyway, I think you can see what's going on here. The question? Is she sincere or just a good actress? Turns out most gringos and expats that I meet come down here after a divorce or two. They've all got their tragic mating dating stories. And when they start dating again down here in Latin America, they're simply bowled over by the way Latinas treat their men. Now, personally, looking at the whole thing from a distance, I can see no reason at all why Latinas treat their men with such cariño. That's that word again, means such a loving, caring way since most Latin guys are such carousing, womanizing deadbeats. But hey, that's the culture. That's their society. And you should know that, especially you gringo and expat guys who are single. The tip here is, and it's a warning too, 
I see way too many gringos and expats hook up with the very first pretty Latina face they see. They think, man, no woman has ever treated me like that before. And they think they've won the lottery. No, you have not won the lottery. <laughs> what you're experiencing for the very first time is the Latina culture. As good old expat Eddie likes to say, when you hook up with a Latina, you are always number one. If she has a kid already or you guys have a kid, you're still number one. The kid's number two. If she has another kid, kid number two, you're still number one. That, as opposed to what I see happening up in the States with my own family, my own sisters. They find their prince charming. They get married. He's number one. Then they have a kid. From then on, the kid is number one and daddy's number two. They have another kid. Daddy gets shuffled down to number three, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, and when the subject came up, another newbie expat I know said regarding his past failed relationships up in the States. After three kids, he just felt like he was another place setting at the dinner table. Just a guy paying most of the bills who didn't even have priority over the remote. So is it any wonder when gringos get the hell out of Dodge, get their plan B going, move down to Latin America, within a month or two or three, so many of them end up in a permanent live-in relationship with the first eligible single Latina they meet. God, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that happen. It's difficult to say this, but so many gringos and expats come down here. Guys who have been newly divorced or on the rebound. After years and years of being starved for simple love and affection, there are just so many stale, loveless relationships up north. You can almost understand how so many newbie gringos and expats get completely captivated by the first Latina they date. My advice for what it's worth, take it slow. Real slow. Don't let those rekindled adolescent impulses you thought you'd never experience again overtake your logic. However, I realized most of you won't take that advice. When I first came down here so many years ago myself, no one gave me that kind of advice. No one explained it to me. There was no internet or expat advice columns to lean on. So I got suckered into a few dead-end relationships where I dove in headfirst way too fast and they did not end well. Lessons learned, right? And I did survive. But I digress as usual. Where were we? Oh, we were talking about that happiness issue. How well does it work for gringos? Does that happiness thing rub off on us too? Is it in the water? Is it in the air? Well, definitely could rub off, especially if you mingle with a local population. You'll see so much joy and happiness, it's got to rub off. But if you hang out on the Gringo Tourist Trail, do nothing but pal around with Gringo friends, coffee clutch strictly with Americans and first world people, live in a Gringo populated subdivision, etc., etc. Just because your happy-go-lucky cleaning lady comes by twice a week, it most likely ain't going to happen. Though some Gringo expats I know, who, by rights, should have a permanent shit-eating grin on their faces for all the cool and great things that have happened to them while down here in Latin America. Still, some of them remain grumpy and agitated and criticize everything. Just a personality trait, I guess, just like they would have done had they remained in Cleveland or Milwaukee. Some people are just perpetually negative and miserable. That's why and I might sound like a jerk when I say this, but when I'm doing my little power walk, I try to do that once a day for an hour, I'll walk by a certain group of outdoor cafes. If I happen to spot a certain one or two expat gringos I know who are generally negative, grumpy, or just suck the energy out of you, 
If I see one of those guys as I'm walking up, I'll sneak uh, right or left down a side street so I don't have to see him face to face and get into some useless small talk. Hey, if you know certain people are going to suck the energy out of you, if you can stealthily avoid them, why not? Come on, don't tell me you've never done that. I've done that a few times in malls and grocery stores too. You see someone you know coming your way who's kind of a bore or a time vampire, just a negative person in general, you pull an invasive maneuver. Who needs a gray cloud on a sunny day? Speaking of disagreeable people, the other day I was sitting down at one of those outdoor cafe restaurants with a gringo and his kid. Clarification here. A gringo and his spoiled, entitled adolescent kid. You know, sometimes I just don't know why gringos and expats come down with their adolescent kids when it's obvious, since the kid's absolutely glued to social media and his phone, he just doesn't want to be here. He'd much rather be at his local Starbucks or McDonald's at his favorite mall staring at screens with the rest of his brain-dead TikTok buddies. Question, do parents actually think they're giving their adolescent kid some kind of education by bringing them down here to Latin America on vacation? What's a 12 or 15-year-old American kid get out of it? From what I can see, practically nothing. It's even worse in Europe. Americans bring their shiftless teenage kids with them all the time. I just don't get it. They haul them to the Parthenon, where they take a few selfies and get back on TikTok. Then it's off to Santorini, Mykonos Island, or the Roman Colosseum for a few more selfies and back on TikTok. What a terrific waste of money. From what I can see, all they do is spend their time on their cell phones and whine about this, that, and the other thing. Worse yet, if you go to a McDonald's on the tourist trail in Latin America or any McDonald's in Europe, they're just filled with idiot young American adolescent kids with very little live conversation going on because they're all on Instagram or TikTok. Now, I know some of you are thinking it's a good educational experience to let your kids travel, right? Well, I've seen enough of adolescent and young adults travelers to tell you, it's the young backpackers that get a hell of a lot out of international traveling, not those entitled adolescent kids whose parents haul them along for the ride. However, if you're young and broke, you can learn a lot backpacking through Europe and Latin America. Nothing wrong with that. It's a great experience. But when teenagers travel with their parents, it's obvious they just would rather be doing anything else. With an attitude like that, and not doing much more than whine and constantly swiping away on their cell phones, they get almost nothing out of the experience. I know, I know there'll be parents out there who beg to differ, because your adolescent kids are different. They're little geniuses, and they'll absorb so much culture, won't they? And therein lies the problem. Every parent thinks their kid's a genius, or at least way above average. By the way, speaking of geniuses and the fact that everyone thinks they're above average, you might remember back in 2018, there was a very well-publicized survey in Psychology Today where tens of thousands of people on the street were randomly asked about how they rated their own intelligence. Well, 65% of those Americans believed they're above average in intelligence. Such optimists, huh? But statistically impossible. How could 65% of people be above average when average is right in the middle of the scale, which is at 50%? By the way, isn't it sad to know every other person you pass on the street is below average? Hmm. Turns out further surveys show Americans are even more optimistic about the intelligence of their kids. In a recent survey of tens of thousands of Americans, 
93% of them said their own kids are more intelligent than they are. In other words, 93% of Americans believe even mediocre, dumb, and average parents will have smarter kids. I say just look around you at TikTok, rap, reggaeton, music videos, reality shows like the retired Asians and the failed reading skills of high school graduates. Still, 93% of American parents surveyed believe their kids are smarter than they are. With all that all-American self-delusion going on, it begs the question, how's your plan B coming? Speaking of plan Bs, remember I've got my upcoming Expat Insider Seminar for March 2024. Begins Friday, March 8th through Friday, March 15th. If you're thinking about having a plan B but are a little gun-shy, you need an expat network. The easiest and best way to get yourself a thriving network of expats is to come to my Expat Insider Seminar. It's a fast-track way. You'll get a two- to five-year head start on your plan B. That's not me saying that either. I never even thought of that before till one of my seminar alumnus who ended up moving down to Latin America came up with that statement. And I thought, hey, you know, that's certainly true. I sure wish when I first came down here to Latin America a couple of decades ago now, there'd have been some kind of podcast or seminar for me to take advantage of, but there was no such thing. No internet, so no expat podcasts or expat books to read, no audios. There wasn't even a rag called International Living yet. So when I came down, I was totally on my own. Made all the stupid green gringo mistakes in the world, too. But I lived through it. I got over it. Learned a lot of hard lessons, too. That's why a big part of my Expat Insider Seminar is showing you what not to do. So anyway, mark your calendar for Friday, March 8th through March 15th, 2024. We'll be going to two countries, Guatemala and El Salvador. Everybody wants to experience the Altiplano in Guatemala, and they want to see just what the hell's going on in El Salvador. After all, in just two years, it went from the highest crime rate in all of Latin America to the lowest. And remember, there are 20 countries in Latin America. It's also got the fastest growing economy in all of Latin America, too. There's sort of a minor miracle, a renaissance going on in El Salvador, and we'll have boots on the ground there to see it. So, for all the info and sign-up details, just go to expatplanb.com and click on the seminar link. That's expatplanb.com. All right, moving on. You long-time listeners have heard me say this before. Latin America happens to be one of the few places left in the world where people still admire and respect gringos. Every place else in the world, they don't much like us at all. They tolerate us because we spend a lot of dough when we go on our vacations. But they don't really much like us. Just take a trip to Europe and you'll see what I mean. Now, of course, they really dislike gringos and expats in France, but the French don't like much of anyone. In fact, one time I was in Paris and a local Parisian told me that the Parisians themselves are so ethnocentric, they even dislike other French people from different provinces. Sure, in France, they really don't like us, but in the rest of Europe, they don't like us much either. That's why it's such a nice feeling to be in Latin America, where it feels so different. However, it seems in many gringo tourist areas like Costa Rica, Cancun, Cabo San Lucas, and a lot of other gringo expat tourist destinations, we appear to have overstayed our welcome and Latinos don't warm up to us as much as they used to. In fact, you might remember about a year ago now on this show, We reported on the fact that in Mexico City, Distrito Federal, the federal district they call it, 
so many expat gringos have moved into certain areas of the city that the locals are getting really pissed off because they can't afford the real estate anymore. Gringos are driving up the prices. Unfortunately, that happens every time gringos pile in. We screw up the cost of living for the locals. And we don't even notice it because it seems, compared to the States, very cheap to us, even if we little by little drive the prices up. Which brings me to this recent email from longtime listener Bob in Oaxaca, Mexico. He says, Johnny, I wanted to send you this picture of the sign of the times in Oaxaca City, where graffiti artists are spraying walls that say things like, quote, gringos are the new plague, unquote. Yep, that's right. Gringos are the new plague. Not good. Well, you know when you see signs, posters, and graffiti like that, how are you supposed to feel good about living with people who have those thoughts? Not a very neighborly sentiment, is it? Well, what can I say about that? We did it to ourselves. We did it first in Costa Rica. Gringos and expats have jacked up the cost of living, so the locals don't much like us either. You had to know it was going to happen in Mexico. That's the number one stop for gringos and expats, right? Mexico. It's got the highest number of expat gringos in the world. The latest reports say there are a million plus gringos in Mexico. Of course, you know I've always recommended against it for various reasons, but that doesn't seem to have deterred many people. It's an easy shot from the border. In fact, some of the gringos I know in Mexico are calling it the gringo saturation point. By the way, one gringo friend of mine living in Mexico City said he believes there's been a huge influx in the last two, three years simply due to cheap Airbnbs. Crazy thing is, last time I was in Mexico City, well, in Mexico in general, I'd say about 30% or more of all the people you see in upscale cafes and Starbucks and stuff are gringos and expats. Yep, gringos and expats love their first world franchise hangouts like Starbucks. And as far as Mexico, well, you'll only find upscale Mexicanos hanging out in Starbucks because the local folks can't afford it. The telltale sign is all the upscale cars in the parking lot. You know, recently I was in Puerto Vallarta, and there are spots that every single night of the week are just loaded with gringos. In fact, when they have live music, they've got Latino rock bands playing strictly English music hits. Of course, that means your gringo advantage is fading away. No more special treatment for foreigners. Now, you might be thinking, that's a good thing. But the fact is, it's simply no longer a novelty to have a few gringos in the restaurant, bar, or club. Not when 30% of the crowd are gringos. So there's just no reason to give special treatment to us gringos and expats. No more of this right this way, gringo. We've got a table for you right up in the front. Nope, that's not going to happen anymore. No more automatic cut in the queue in the immigration line. That means, especially in Mexico... No more getting around the cops when they pull you over by saying, no hablo espanol. Because they all know enough English now to scam you for a bribe. So then, what about all of us long-term gringos and expats? People who've been down here 5, 10, 20, 30 plus years. Well, I can tell you when I'm sitting around with a bunch of gringos, nobody likes it when they feel their hidden paradise is about to turn into the next Costa Rica or Cancun. That's a depressing thought. The thing is, that's just not going to happen if you move to a country like Guatemala anyway. Though, every country's got a couple tourist towns. In Guatemala, that would be Antigua and Lake Atitlan. Lots of tourists coming in and out, day trippers and stuff. And even though the rents in the real estate are more expensive because of the influx of gringos, 
If you locate yourself a kilometer or two outside of the Central Park area, prices drop dramatically. Though I have to repeat what I've been hearing from many of my gringo friends who live in tourist areas, be it Costa Rica, Mexico, Panama, Guatemala. They're telling me about more negatives in the dating and mating game, too. They're telling me that since more and more people are hooking up online on dating apps, they're saying that the nightlife situation for mating and dating is getting worse and worse, too. For whatever that's worth, I don't know, because I don't hang around at bars and discos. Though people have been telling me lately that since the COVID thing, the price of beer and booze and just going to a bar or disco is getting very expensive. The cost of booze has been shooting up. Now, I don't know what it costs to go out for a night with the guys or the girls to a bar or disco up in the States. I imagine these days it could be a shocker. So the question is, are there really too many gringos and expats in Latin America? Well, there are too many in Costa Rica, too many in Belize, way too many in most parts of Mexico. And, you know, even Latin American countries that are considered off the gringo tourist trail, they have a couple of well-known tourist spots. You can't avoid it. Though in no way does that mean those countries are gringoized. For example, you've got Honduras. The only real gringoized tourist spot there is Roatan, the island of Roatan. Great place to visit. I wouldn't want to live there. Too many gringos. Coincidentally, surprise, surprise, it's about twice as expensive as Honduras on the mainland. Now, how do you think that happened? And of course, we mentioned Guatemala. You've got Antigua and the Lake Atitlan District, the only two touristy areas in the country. Anywhere else in the country uh, might happen to be, you could walk around the big city all day and not see a single gringo. Same thing with El Salvador. All the gringos hang out in the surfing towns, which are right by Bitcoin Beach. Whereas, let's say in the capital, San Salvador, they've got some beautiful shopping areas, business districts, and residential neighborhoods, and nary a gringo at all. Oh, by the way, just did a little search here. According to the 2020 Mexican census, there are 1,212,000 registered foreigners living there, with at least a million of them gringos and expats from the USA. And they're saying there are at least another half a million gringos and expats living in Mexico who aren't necessarily registered. That means no Mexican residency, bank accounts, etc. Which brings us to this email from Sylvia. She says, Johnny, I'm 56, divorced, new permanent expat in Panama City, and I want to live in a residential tower, mostly for safety and security reasons, including having a nice parking space that's covered and protected. She says, I've seen at least 12 different residential towers, and there's great irony when they show you around. First, they'll show you the pool, which no one uses and I'll never use either. Then they take you to the gym that no one uses, which I'll never use either. Then they take you up to the roof where there's a common space. You could sit out there and have drinks or whatever. The realtor then admits no one uses it and I'll never use it either. Johnny, they show you all the star attractions that impress new tenants or owners. Things you'll never or rarely use that only jack up your monthly maintenance costs. Johnny, what are these builders thinking? Signed, Sylvia. P.S. In Panama City, I'm seeing maintenance costs on two-bedroom units between 100 and 150 bucks a month. All right, Sylvia, thanks for that. I'm seeing the same thing as you, Sylvia. Except I've noticed if there's no pool, the maintenance cost is almost always under 100 bucks. Oh, and by the way, here in Latin America, if you're renting, your monthly rent includes the maintenance costs, which is good news. 
You've been listening to The Expat Files, living in Latin America. If you need some help with your own Plan B, we can schedule a one-on-one phone or Skype consult. Just send me an email, theexpatfiles at gmail.com. And if you want to get on the waiting list for my next week-long expat insider seminar in Central America, where you're guaranteed to get a two- to five-year head start on your Plan B, send me an email, theexpatfiles at gmail.com. Nos vemos.